0: <laughs>
1: Old man,
0: doing a podcast, real weirdos,
1: we have English degrees,
0: real weirdos,
1: we talk about movies, for way too goddamn long, you guys see that uh Jonah Hill? is going to play um the guitarist from Grateful Dead in a Martin Scorsese movie?
2: Uh, fuck no, I did. Jerry not Garcia. See that.
1: I saw this yesterday. Yeah, Jerry Garcia, that's his name. The guy that makes the ice cream. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh no, I have not heard of this at all. Uh
1: that's a, do you think that's a good choice? I was like, I could I see mean, that. Jonah Hill's getting a little older now.
2: Honestly, Jonah Hill He's at the point He's got
1: some Yeah, range. he's at the point in his career where he's kind of
2: gone a little rogue from like his typecast that he was at before and I kind of just mm-hmm. think that he is at the point where he can really do anything he wants. He's he's able to pull himself out of that that hole that he was in a little while is like the dorky fat geeky guy. I really think like Wolf on wall street was like, Oh shit, this guy's got range. So I really think he, he Oh yeah.
1: He shed his like super bad persona long ago. Mm-hmm. Not, none of those other guys did Michael, Sarah and whatever the, the McLovin kids. Name Boy, yeah, is. I don't think, I mean, no, yeah, they really. just kind of
2: kept riding that wave, but I think he really wanted to do something a little different. And Jonah still-
1: transcended man. He's the, he got out of that for sure. Moneyball was pretty Moneyball
2: good. Moneyball was great. Too. And then, um, I mean, you know, he got ripped and then he's also done a lot of that like uh, like sacrifice your body for the role thing where he's like like yo-yoed Wade a lot and you know, he's one of those kind of actors that I, it's hard to kind of peg down his intention in the industry. Like what is he trying to do? He's directed a few things. He's been in a couple artsy films. It's like he's done some Netflix stuff. It's like what is he what is I think he aim? just does
1: whatever the fuck he wants which I absolutely respect. True, true, true. You know? Uh, but it got me thinking, like, what musical biopic hasn't been made that should be made? Like, who, whose who's musical life story needs to be Keith told? Keith Moon. You know what I know? What? Keith Moon. Keith so Moon? Many. Oh, man. Keith Moon. The Who
3: The Who are an interesting band, in my opinion, because they rode that wave of, like, British invasion pop music, but they weren't relying on, like, old blues roots like the beatles and the rolling stones were the who was a entirely like ridiculous and different band from the start and keith moon was just like he was quietly underrated as one of the most yeah like debaucherous people in all of music
1: he he like he did the thing where you throw the tvs into the pool and I think he, like, drove yeah. a car. Drove into the a car. Pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like he died he at, like, like, I don't know, 27. Maybe he was part of the 27 Club. I'm not sure.
3: He passed out at a concert once, and they had to, like, get a kid who knew the WHO songs on drums to come up and play the rest of the concert. Really?
0: Yeah, because yeah, he just that.
3: took way too much ketamine before. Ketamine? Just passed the
1: Jesus fuck out. Jesus Christ. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he was an interesting guy. There are a few projects that got, uh like, started and then they fell apart mike myers at one point was like slated to play him but then they were like you're a little too old now so
1: i don't know and i think everyone kind of hates mike myers in hollywood he's kind of like a notorious asshole
2: really i did not know that oh, the love guru yeah Dang. the
1: man from the love guru yes <laughs> <laughs>
2: such a great i love when we not austin
1: it. powers or shrek it's the love guru I remember I saw that with my girlfriend, and I hated it so much. It was like the least funny thing I might have ever seen.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't recall ever seeing that movie. It seemed like one of those. It was like the Zohan, like with Adam Sandler. It was like the era of those guys' (laughs) career where they were just like, I'll do anything for money because I got a big-ass mortgage. (laughs) And it's just like, all right, all right, cool. Well, you know, you get that bag, but eh. I didn't know that about Mike Myers. I always kind of expected him. He was such a, like you know, gregarious character. I always expected him to be.
1: Yeah, it surprises you sometimes, you know? Like, I guess people were really shocked when they turned out that Ellen was a giant bitch. I always saw that. Uh, that don't didn't know. surprise me yeah, at all. Yeah, I don't know. She always yeah. had that
2: energy about her where, like, you could see that kind of just like vindictiveness I guess like in like the way she spoke to people and I don't know I always thought her her stand-up was really really mediocre so I don't yeah, yeah. I, don't I don't I don't get- her her
3: her best work will just be a small like not small but like a little voice acting contribution to the finding <laughs> <Even series laughs> probably
2: that's probably her best credit is
3: Dory like yeah I mean her, her show wasn't I mean, it's a talk show.
2: So you honest, found
1: right? Dory to be good. Well, I mean... Well, not the movie yeah, Finding
2: uh, Dory, but Finding Nemo is a it, fucking classic, It was bro. a huge success. Finding Nemo slaps, yeah, like,
3: man. Like, I don't give a fuck what you say. That slaps awesome. who? I didn't, see fi- I didn't see Finding Dory.
2: Finding Nemo is one of the best, like, kids' movies, I think. It's still yeah. entertaining to watch as, like, a 31-year-old, like, with my niece and mm. nephew.
1: Yeah, you got the kids to watch the kids' movies with. Well, you don't have uh, to feel yeah, yeah. bad
2: watching kids' movies,
1: right? No, the best ones should be entertaining for adults. Absolutely, Atlantis you those is levels, still amazing. You know, like, um, uh, oh. like The Simpsons was like that. You know, they it was. It's amazing when you watch it as a kid, but as an adult, you see so much more in it. So it operates on these different levels, these different wavelengths.
3: Well, like *Hank Azaria* for instance. I love his work as an actor normally, but then when I found out that he did such extensive voice work in The Simpsons, he's like so many different characters. There's so like, many. <laughs> yeah. It made me love it even more. I mean, he's hilarious.
2: It's so funny. I just, I, I never got into The Simpsons. That's such a weird really? thing to say. Yeah. I don't know. It's I just, it's interesting. My parents were like really, like, I don't know. Like, they had, my parents enforced strange rules when I was a kid. So they were like, you can't, you can like, watch godfather and goodfellas but you can't right, watch boogie nights yeah and boogie nights but you can't watch south park and beavis and butthead like all the animated uh. stuff was off the table for that for me so it was like i had to like sneak around watching that shit but like i could openly watch goodfellas it was so hypocritical what a
1: strange rationale it's, it's
2: because it was italian it was because it was italian culture and my parents were like okay well that's our culture in their world you know like Because that's Boogie Nights, not Boogie Nights, you fucking troll. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, know what I'm talking about. Uh, Jesus.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. Coming to America.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That was also one of my dad's favorite movies. What about that cartoon
1: where the dog eats the spaghetti? What? I show you that all the time. What's that movie? The dogs eat spaghetti. I have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, they're oh, like eating. You're talking about the lady in the train. Oh, yeah. the dog yeah. eats the spinach. That's like,
0: <laughs> that was so fucking cryptic. <laughs>
1: <They> <laughs> that's, like for, kiss. that's for like
3: children, children. Yeah. Yeah. The Simpsons in South Park were like, I don't know.
1: Well, I just thought maybe they let him watch that cartoon because it had. Meatballs! <laughs> I don't know. Oh my oh god, shit. dude! Like you were building that joke as you were talking. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, I'm not thinking at all. I'm just saying oh, things. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's where I'm at well, today. Speaking of, yeah, things. welcome back to the most professional film co- podcast on the internet, where two and a half <laughs> white men from California ramble <laughs> about movies for way too goddamn long. Uh, today talking about Man on Fire from director Tony Scott with Denzel Washington, Christopher Walken, Dakota Fanning, and Mickey Rourke. This is not to be confused with the 1987 Ailey Sharoki film. Sharoki Sh- Sh- film of the same name. Change
0: it. Yeah. Uh,
1: change I saw it. That. Yeah, th- I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Jeff this time. <laughs> change it. Uh, so, in case you were confused, which nobody was. Uh, it's not that movie. Um, this was a Jeff choice. Yeah. So Jeff, can you briefly sum up Man on Fire and tell the people why we watched it for the show? <laughs>
2: um, I don't. I think last episode we were recording. I was planning on picking a different movie, and it had just come up that you had not seen Man on Fire. It's. I think it was because we were talking about Tony Scott, and yeah. Um, you just had mentioned that offhand that this was a movie you hadn't seen, and both me and I Alex were kind of surprised by that. Yeah. And I thought, well, this guy needs to see this movie immediately because to me, this is just like as as far as like the boilerplate action movie formula. I think this just hits all of the the proper checks and and goes down the list perfectly there's so many movies that are like this that don't do it as well so if you're going to watch like kind of a testosterone driven bible thumping gun shooting action movie i think like this is the one
1: all right well we will get to all of that um before we do though, i'm curious about like let's talk a little bit about tony scott He's uh ridley scott's brother has many many credits to his name and i'm just wondering how you guys feel about him generally
3: I didn't know he existed at first. Really? And that his relation to Ridley Scott. Yeah. But I obviously am But very you've seen so many of
1: his movies. Movie. You have to yeah. have.
3: Like I, I just didn't make that I don't I don't know, Tony Scott is just such a generic name compared to Ridley Scott that like eh, it just flew over my head. I'm with I you. Yeah. The past I didn't few know years. And it's
1: it's weird that he's British as well because he makes such America movies, you know, top gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Top Gun right. is definitely his most famous. Sure, followed up by, let's see, Beverly Hills Cop two. Yeah, um, <laughs> he did the Will Smith movie Enemy of the State, Spy Game with Brad Pitt, and then these uh, these Denzel movies where Denzel plays action man, mm-hmm. essentially.
2: I I really like Tony Scott's movies. I didn't know like. Generally, I like movies before I like directors. It's not until usually I talk to you or something that right. you kind of bring up like, hey, this, all those movies you like are made by the same person. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that guy.
1: Yeah, we were looking at his filmography after we recorded last time, and you were like, holy shit, I think I really like this guy. Yeah, I mean, Beverly Hills Cop, I mean, amazing,
2: amazing. Especially two, in my opinion, is uh, the best one. And uh <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. He was also an executive producer on Assassination of Jesse James, which you know I thought that was kind of something worth oh, mentioning nice. because that's yeah, a fantastic movie. <sighs>
1: we do we love that movie,
2: and uh, yeah, but generally, yeah, I really love his filmography. Domino. He definitely developed a style much later, whereas before he was kind of just a, a director making good or decent movies. But he definitely he definitely got like a an edge to him. And his later filmography, which I thought
1: was uh almost cute. Yeah. we are gonna get to that. <laughs> Trust me. Um. Yeah. I. I'm on a little bit of a different wavelength with Tony Scott. I love um, True Romance. True Romance is one of my absolute favorite movies. I think it probably would have been better directed by Tarantino, who wrote it. But there's something really charming about that movie that I find endlessly rewatchable. Um, but I could really give or take most things. I mean, Top Gun is fun for what it is. I don't remember Beverly Beverly Hills Cop 2, I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, and then towards the end of his career, he developed a visual style that, uh, I'm not a fan of, but (laughs) yeah, like I said, we will get to that. Um, or we could just do it right now. (laughs) I have these categories here. I've got visuals, score, and the story and the narrative, but we can go visuals, like, or just, okay, I know Jeff likes this movie. Alex, what did you feel generally about Man on Fire? How long has it been since you've seen it?
3: Uh, it's been about 10 years since I've seen this movie. I was with Jeff, though. like it, I was pretty s- surprised to learn that you hadn't seen it because it's extremely popular, and I feel like well-liked with normal people that I've talked to. Um, I hated it this time around. I don't think it stands <laughs> up at all. I mean, interesting. Honestly, garbage. garbage. The filmmaking, the writing, the editing. The score's good because it reminds me of Gladiator a little bit, and that's about it. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is going to be harsh for me, but I hate this See, this, this is movie.
1: interesting because I thought it would be me versus you two. It turns out it's going to be me and Alex versus <laughs> Jeff, kind of. <laughs> So well, the way I was going to present this is asking you guys to help me figure out a mystery. The mystery being why I kind of like this movie, even though I think it's crap. Because I do kind of like it, even though I think it's crap. Um, the the visuals, if we, if we want to start there, that's an interesting place to start because... I don't know if you got this, but I often feel that Tony Scott doesn't have faith in his own images. He uses what I like what I like to call superfluous motion. Like he's always yes. moving the camera. He's always adding all these little effects to the point where it's distracting and it doesn't feel like there's a purpose other than to just like be glitzy. I don't know. <laughs> you yeah, feel that? Exactly.
3: So I think I know why we were talking about him last time. It's because City of God happened to use, at certain times, these same techniques. But I think the difference here is that City of God used these techniques in an intentional, a clean, and a not superfluous way. Whereas this is like made by an emerging pubescent junior high school edgelord. And I think that the color saturation look like when someone messes with a display setting and then changes the language to Hungarian on the TV menu so you can't switch it back and you just have to fucking deal with it. And then (laughs) towards the end of the film... I was medically diagnosed with epilepsy.
2: <laughs> dude, I wanted to put an ep- epilepsy warning on this episode so bad. I was <laughs> like, dude, again. if you have
3: epilepsy, do
2: not watch this movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The fact that it doesn't have one when you start it is ridiculous.
3: I know. This should get like sued.
1: I love that we are kind of have the gamut here. Jeff really likes it. Alex hates it. I think it's terrible, but I kind of enjoyed it. And that like that's an interesting point because it speaks to the reception to this film this this movie is critically reviled uh, <laughs> like absolutely reviled but it has a, a enormous popularity with the general audiences
3: yeah like I've, I feel that I didn't read any of the reviews on this
1: film but I feel we're gonna, the we're gonna check some out later <laughs> in <the> a <laughs> little new segment. But yeah, I was I was trying to figure out why I liked it because the visuals were nauseating and I hated them. Uh, not quite as much as uh, his very last movie, Unstoppable, which is Denzel Washington on a train that won't stop. I hate that movie. Um, and I think it, it was less distracting. The visual style was less distracting for me this time because even though like didn't like the movie, I really liked the core of it. I thought it was really well done and that owes itself to the two lead actors. Denzel has like a tremendous gravity to him in this movie and pretty much every movie. I mean, come on. It's Denzel. Yeah. The dude could do anything and it would be great. And Dakota Mm -hmm. Fanning, man, she was like one oh, of the yeah. best child acting performances I've ever seen. Yeah. She was like preternaturally good. Yeah, she was weird. It's weird. Like mm-hmm. yeah, she has
2: an uncanny ability to act, and and not only to act but act convincingly. And uh, I you know I like I enjoy this movie, so I I think I watched a behind the scenes on it like a long time ago, and like a DVD I had of it, and I I remember. Uh, hearing on there that they ad-libbed a lot like Dakota and Denzel so she already had the confidence with her to like ad-lib scenes with like a like a mega star like Denzel so I think that just kind of speaks yeah I think she crushed this role to the point where I think she really shined stronger than Denzel at times but she was just in less of the movie overall
0: yeah
1: because with Denzel you're not surprised you're like Denzel's being Denzel he's being a badass with this heftiness to him and you're like yeah that makes sense. Her, it's like, who's this little lady? Exactly. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. She. Um. Him. Yeah, and I mean that draws us into the the question of like the story slash narrative. So, I had this expectation of this movie that, it, and it did kind of surprise me because it went in a direction that I didn't quite expect, or rather, it was structured in a way I didn't quite expect. Um i th- I knew that it was about a little girl getting taken and Denzel Washington like going off on a rampage. That's all I knew, and so I expected about fifteen minutes of build up and then basically gunshots and explosions for an hour and a half, and then it ends. yeah, and it's more subdued than that and I liked I think the best part of the movie is that it takes its time in the beginning and sets up the dynamic between denzel washington and uh dakota fanning Mm -hmm. would you guys agree with that
2: yeah i think this movie has a really great slow start a slow burn it's and it sets up kind of not only that but it sets up kind of the political climate of mexico city in this world that the movie is trying to portray with the cops and and the, the the criminals and kind of how they interact and i i think it kind of sets you and seats you in the world in a way where you can go okay i can this is now believable
1: yes and that's that's definitely to the movie's credit because everything else fails (laughs) but spending so much time with those two when it was happening i was like wow we're spending a lot of time with this and i was kind of antsy for it to to get to the the what you know the good stuff get (laughs) to the murdering but when it did i was like (laughs) i missed that dynamic like the movie kind of fell apart for me after that Mm
3: -hmm. no yeah i actually have to agree with what you guys are saying like um it made the relationship make sense, right? Yeah.
2: It made it made sense in a way that was believable in a not father-daughter story. You know, in a, mm-hmm. in a bodyguard, you know, child that he's protecting story where it's like, why would you care? Especially in this climate. It really does well setting him up kind of as a character. I mean, they they're a little too vague on, I guess, his backstory mm-hmm. too early in the mm-hmm. movie where you're like, Okay, so what is he like? And then later they're like, he's an assassin. You're like, okay, <sighs> but, but so, uh, yeah, but anyway, it's lazy. It's yeah, lazy. It, there's and I just want to reply to just a couple of your guys's points before we you know, keep moving on because there are. I do enjoy this movie, but I also do see its faults very clearly. I mean, it it's kind of hard not to. It wears its faults on its sleeve pretty hard. It kind of throws them in your face constantly with the quick cuts and the nauseating epileptic. Um, color tones, and the like, highly, um, like this up, like it just cranks up the film grain in a way that just really uh, is distracting at times, and the way it plays with light. But I do think at the core, like I said in the beginning, is that there is actually a very good movie here. There's some good, I think, some good symbolism,
1: some great metaphors that are just... For a movie like this. What's, what's the good symbolism? Is it the fact that he has Christ-like figure things and his name is JC? I feel bad I didn't notice that. There's a, there's a review from Christianity Today that I included in my notes here. Where it says, It suggests that John Creasy, JC, is a Christ figure. Scars, prayers, acting as savior. But where Christ overcomes evil with good... Jc uses heavy artillery. One point five out of four.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's a pretty good review. Jeff um, is
1: not amused. <laughs>
2: oh, I was just kind of in the middle of a point, but yeah. Um, Sorry,
1: continue. Uh,
2: I, I've I've kind of lost my train of thought. So um, yeah, it's basically a, a, a I don't know. Next, point. I you were saying for
3: this. You were saying for this kind of movie. The metaphors and symbols work well. And then Jesse asked about specific yeah, examples, I, I just, believe.
2: Yeah, I think that there's just a little like, you know, there's cute examples. They're not mind-blowing. They're not reinvent they're not Keatsy and level symbolism. It's and if that's what you're looking for in this movie, I think you have a problem. It's right. just cute little moments like picking the dandelion out of the concrete like something nice growing out of like this concrete jungle it's like this kind of idea of a person emerging out of like this disgusting life of like like murder that they've lived and like see i mean this guy is a i mean in all purpose he's pretty horrible dude i mean he's denzel plays like a guy who just like openly tortures people and Stick Semtex in their ass, like it's, yeah. Uh, this
1: movie is mean. This is a mean-spirited film. Yeah, for sure.
2: it uh it definitely doesn't pull any punches with like how revengey the revenge story gets. But I think at the core there is a an idea. But I I really agree with what you were saying that I think Tony Scott's just very insecure in his directing style, which is strange to have in a director so late in their career, to where he has to like muddy everything up with this very distracting visual style and it kind of worked in domino but it didn't
3: work in this so i think that you're right jeff as far as like it is easy to see like where the flaws are in this film and like the three i don't think that any one of the three of us ever thought that this movie was like you know winning oscars or anything like that but It does a good job to create a, like, story that is really popular with people, which at the end of the day is, like, the point of going to watch a movie, right? So I can't be too... uh, I have to change my parameters a little bit when I talk about this film, right? Like, if we were talking about... Mm, Do you, though? I mean, I feel like I do a little bit. Because if I'm taking... Like, if we did an episode on... (laughs) goodfellas or the godfather or like lawrence of arabia i don't feel like it would be fair to compare this film the same way and be like oh well it's not one of those three movies it didn't do those three things or whatever so it's a shit movie right like i can't do that there are films that i like independence day even the mummy goes back to what we were discussing about really really good watchable digestible and consumable bad films or just a little more lowbrow films. However, this movie watching it again, I just got really angry and I could not ignore the flaws <laughs> that it wears on it. What sleeve.
1: made you angry the most?
3: Denzel's character and the portrayal of Mexico, not in like, Oh my God, they portrayed it wrong. They're racist or anything like that. Um, I just think that it's a hilarious caricature of Mexico. There are moments where Denzel speaks perfect Spanish, but then he'll severely butcher simple words like madre. He keeps calling that character, that nun, madre, but then will speak perfect Spanish to her later on. And then there are other times (laughs) where if the dialogue wasn't in Spanish and was in English, it would be incredibly lazy writing, but they use the foreign sounding nature of the language to get away with it and writing shallow and empty dialogue, especially if it's between Mexican politicians or the journalists or the national like people involved. It's just, no one talks like that simple. And the subtitles are all over the screen. It was just
0: nah. really <laughs> pissing me off.
3: But then Denzel's character the most, most likely, is the one that, I feel that he is a potpourri of like daddy complex noir. He's... A washed-up macho broken man. He's ex-military, kind of criminal, kind of has loose morals, has a drinking problem, maybe a tragic past, but that all makes up for an, an overly abundant like mess of traits that make his character exhausting to deal with. And he has the thing where it's like, I need to do one ultimate thing at the end to redeem all of this. And if they had run with one trait, like he's a severe alcoholic, okay, I could deal with that. But it's just so many things. He tells them, "None at one point, I'm one of the sheep that got lost." And I was like, "Okay, this is this dialogue is no more better than a Steven Seagal movie, even <laughs> though Denzel's <laughs> delivering it."
1: Ooh, it is a testament to Denzel that you buy lines like that. Yeah, like I mean, he was great. His acting,
3: he was great. Yeah.
1: You said a couple of things there that that I want to point out, and I, I, I totally agree with you by the way about his character and how sort of undercooked it was, how they used all these elements like the drinking problem doesn't really come into effect. It's only there to have a small character arc where he looks at the bottle and doesn't take a drink, but doesn't affect the plot in any way. Uh-huh. Um, and we don't really know about his past, which isn't too big of a problem but this goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago before the big tirade sorry about (laughs) expectation and like what a movie should succeed on its own terms right like you don't expect indiana jones or the mummy or something like that to wow you and that's that's to jeff's point about like the symbolism you know and Mm -hmm. all this movie really needs to do is be like a, a a thrilling you know action movie with with some good characterization and it halfway does that the characterization is there for sure but i just wanted to point out that like i agree with you that you don't want to judge every movie based on the same criteria of course you know there's no way you would expect this to be anywhere near like there will be blood and nor should it be because it's not trying to be I yeah, guess, exactly. is exactly point uh, we also talked about the score a little bit, and you talked about how nothing in here was trying to win an Oscar. I think the score was, and that okay. was distracting to that's me. That's fair, yeah. Uh, got a little too Lord of the Rings for the subject matter. A little too <laughs>
2: Yeah, I really like the score in this movie because it uses a lot of Trent Reznor songs. and It
1: does. I like the use of Nine Inch yeah. Nails, so, for I sure. Mean,
2: that's, I, I mean, you're going to win for me just by putting like, Trent Reznor songs in... In your movie, and so I kind of that sold me. I was like, every time one of his songs came out, I was like, all right, that that's cool, I, I like it. You know, this is a turn your brain off movie, and this is my version of like Marvel. You know, is like this kind of movie that doesn't that's allowed to be vapid because it. I mean, it's really like not trying to be, which I think Marvel movies are trying to be vapid because they're like trying to appeal to a mass market. Whereas, in, I think this movie is just vapid on its own like mistakes and errors but there are uh, some pretty neat uh nods to other types of music like there's the, in the club scene which is by far the most hilarious scene in the movie in my opinion uh they're playing the uh a psy trans band called gms they're playing their remix of the Kronos Quartet song from Requiem for a Dream, which I just thought was like. No way. Yeah, such really? an eclectic version. Uh, like such an eclectic choice because it was such a. I listened to that song because I, I went through a huge Psytrans phase. And so it was just really funny that that was what they were playing. It was like, Dana, Dana, Dana. But it was the we had like the Psytrance track over it. Yeah, it's they 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 made a remix cool. to that song. So I was just like, oh, that's cool that they like threw that in there. That's a very niche song, and I also
3: kind of sold me on the score. I mean, the music, the soundtrack. I will say maybe not just the score, but the soundtrack is like is decent. It's good. It's not. It doesn't, that's not what is breaking the movie.
0: Yeah. No, no, not at it's all. It's definitely <laughs> not the
2: movie's drawback. You're like, oh, this is a good one, except for the score. Yeah.
1: It's all right. I'm just saying there are a few moments where it got a little too, like, I don't know, like, I, I just have to call it Oscar Beatty. It has that, I don't know, almost like late 90s aesthetic to it where it's like, mm-hmm. this does not feel quite right for a violent revenge thriller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there sure. was one moment, there was a nice callback that I liked in the score where Denzel like comes back to the house or he's doing something after the girl gets kidnapped and it has this like modeling piano music. And I was like, what? Why is this musical choice there? But then I realized, oh, it's the music that she was playing in her piano recital. And I was like, ah, I see what you did there, movie. <laughs> you're making you're making connections. Like a movie does. This is definitely movie.
2: You know, like I said in the Discord before we even started, I was like, are we ready to talk about Denzel Washington in movie? But, <laughs> yeah. but there is validity to movie. You know, there is a way to do that that style right, and there's a way to do it wrong. And this movie, in my opinion, falls directly in the middle of those two like camps. It, it's so... It's such a promising idea. I really like this type of revenge story where it's like not like the typical family revenge or something like that. And I mean, I guess it's not
1: taken with Liam Neeson. Exactly. It's uh, it's it's more nuanced than that.
2: And so I think that has some promise to it. I just this movie has a lot of promise and I'm very forgiving on a, a creator when they had an idea and it just didn't end up being what they wanted it to be because i've just been there so many times of like oh, this just never turned out either i asked too many questions or i got too much input or not enough and i kind of feel like that's what this was was kind of an idea that was strong but just fell through the insecurity or just whatever it may be and it's just it's unfortunate but it's still it's still entertaining
1: Michael has a great review, little blurb from it. It says this is garbage, but it's entertaining garbage. And I could not have agreed more. That's the last review that I had on here. I was going to round it out with that, but I'm just sprinkling them in now.
3: Yeah, it I will say I actually did buy in this this watch um into the idea that like he was very resistant to do anything, but uh drive her around and just be a bodyguard, right? Just literally be a body. Um and she gets in the back seat of the car cuz she's like smart enough and intelligent enough to know that like okay, fine, you want to play it like that. I'll just be the little rich girl who rides in the back seat. And then he started like helping her with her swimming and shit like that and I was like, "Okay, I like that aspect, you know?" Um I think that the parents really pissed me off. Yeah. I'm I like great. would subtitle this movie How Not to Be Parents. They're just the worst people, character-wise, and I think acting-wise. I mean, yeah. I don't want to start on the Latin pop star, Mark Antony. Right? Hey,
2: Mark Anthony just, like, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> oh, is that
1: on. guy a pop star? Yeah.
3: yeah, he's just like a Latin music pop star that ended up being the one that J-Lo married instead of Ben Affleck, which makes him relevant to movies... yeah just like i don't know because of that i guess
2: did you guys love the mom's fluctuating southern accent right okay so (laughs) it
3: was killing me the whole
2: movie rada
3: mitchell every scene with her was so strange and unnatural (laughs) so plastic she she would start every sentence with like a southern drawl and then it would change and like go away very quickly she, um, she only knew how to say certain words
2: in a southern accent, like babble <laughs> and stuff like that. But like, it was like only the words she had like twenty five words she knew how to say in a southern accent, and everything else yeah. was in a normal accent. It was so distracting. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of like, and and as someone who likes this movie, like I'm not sitting here like this is an amazing movie. Like I like I said, I understand its drawbacks, and I mean there are times when this play in this playthrough in this watch that I really. Laughed out loud at some of the stupidity, like they're they're part they're part of a brotherhood, a brotherhood called oh La Rmidad. It's like I wrote that a brother down. a brotherhood called the Brotherhood. Yes, <laughs> you I wrote that down die. I was cracking <laughs> up so hard.
1: Speaking of unintentionally hilarious things, was it odd to anyone else that he called Mexico City a very special place at the very end? After, and I'm going to quote a review here, after spending two hours depicting it as the worst hellhole in the hemisphere.
2: <laughs> I, get, I, I mean, that was most likely just a, a studio decision. I had probably the director or the creative crew, or I don't think anyone had like any part of that, probably. It was just like, oh, studio was like, uh, we kind of painted a pretty gnarly sepia toned picture of... Uh, Mexico City. I mean, I
1: don't care who did it. It's in the movie. Yeah, but, you know,
2: I think there's just a difference. Like, that just sounds like typical studio bullshit, you know? I think that speaks, though,
3: Uh. to the flower of the concrete thing, you know, if they're riding on that theme, where it's like, he found his beauty in this shitscape of a film. I mean, city.
2: But we do a lot of movies on New York and L.A. and how shitty they are. You know, like, I definitely agree with you, Alex, that this is very much is a caricature of uh, a place in Mexico. I always thought Mm. that this place, it would have been so much better if this wasn't Mexico City, if this was literally just, like, a place in Mexico, and that was literally the title card. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Because it would have just made more sense, I guess, to the story. I mean, the, the fact that it takes place in Mexico City really has nothing to do with the story besides Mexico City is bad. And that's the general theme. So I get it. And that's why I kind of prefaced in the beginning is like, this is not a representation of Mexico City. This is a fictional world that the the writers and directors have created. And -hmm. that's why it's like you always have to preface it like in this world. world I don't know.
1: It sounded like from reading the trivia that a lot of the stuff that happened to the characters happened to the actual, you know, talent on the quote unquote set. Like everyone had to have bodyguards there is like i don't know all kinds of shit going sure. on sure i mean there's I mean, there's
2: horrible places in lots lots of parts of the world but like it's a, and you can tell that story easy and like that's kind of what i'm saying it's like we write stories about new york and la and all and other many others any other big metropolises that have lots of seedy underbellies and crimes. And just because we do it on Mexico City doesn't inherently make it racist. But, and and I don't think it is racist, but it is a caricature. It definitely is a fictional representation that is hyped up. Now, if they had to have bodyguards, sure, but it's also a very impoverished country and you're walking around with, like, $4 million cameras and so, like, you know, crimes of necessity –
1: Kidnappers would get a lot of money for Denzel. I'll tell you what. So it's like, (laughs) if
2: you go to a place that's poor with a lot of rich people and rich equipment, don't be surprised if you need a couple bodyguards.
1: Yeah, all I'm saying is I thought it was funny to have a title card at the end saying, thank you, Mexico City, you're a very special place, after depicting it as a caricature. After he goes through and like slaughters it. (laughs) like It just like tears the city apart.
3: I didn't get to bring this up during the City of God review, but there were some like scholars and stuff who felt that city of God was like highly exploitative of the people who lived there and I disagree with that mostly not 100% like but I think there's a nature of exploitation in film just inherently in general but
2: go from a first world country to a poorer country and like use their, I mean, you're inherently exploiting their resources. Mm-hmm. It's just part like, of like filmmaking in another country. If you're going to go there, you're not, you're, you know, if you're not hiring local actors, that's why there's such a big push to do this now is to hire yeah. local actors and
0: which and they did in City of exactly, God. Exactly. And that's exactly right?
2: your point is they did that in City of God, which I think speaks to your point that it's, that's not really exploitative but in this yeah. movie I'm sure a lot of these Mexican American
3: actors it borders
2: I feel like more on
1: this movie borders, borders on exploitation yeah and then genre and in that it, sense it as well it
2: teeters a little bit on the mm-hmm. edge and there's definitely a heavy I mean we, we would be remiss to mention the extremely overly heavy handed religious aspect <laughs> yes this is like the first like our, take our, our
1: religious buddy drawing our attention to the fact that his initials are JC Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh quite i mean it's like uh, there's a lot of scenes where it's like oh yeah well i'm starting to read
2: the bible now
1: and he's
0: like,
2: yeah he's like that's good you keep i'm gonna
3: it. reach for the bottle oh wait the bible instead
1: i had a flashback of you and i watching the last uh the last duel jeff when you looked yeah. over at me put out your hand and said is this heavy <laughs>
0: yep, exactly <laughs> it's just like it's
2: it gets it hits those boxes as well for sure and you know i mean I I don't think we've really gotten into the story or narrative, so I mean I think we've kind of talked I mean, about it enough.
1: Do we need to?
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, Mexico City, kidnappers. I think it's
1: until yeah, it goes crazy. Yeah, it's like, like a buddy
3: Cop. kills people. Or not it a buddy. Is, it's oh. like a buddy movie. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes. Oh
1: yeah, Christopher Watkins. Christopher in, this, Walken in movie. this movie,
2: and he's like hilarious. He's like this <laughs> adulterer, but like also has a very good like. his his character was so fucking confusing. Even after this is like I my know. fifth watch fifteenth watch. I don't know how many watches. But it's like, is he a weapons smuggler? Is he just I is, know. is he just a general smuggler? He's got a wife and kid, and they really try to emphasize that he loves his wife, but he's also like Got a mansion full of mexican pussy <laughs> <Bessie> everywhere it's <laughs> he, like what's going on he,
1: his character exists solely to deliver that speech where he's like what does he say his art is death like yeah, he's, that, he's, that he's whole gonna speech? paint his
2: masterpiece he's uh, gonna uh,
1: paint his masterpiece
2: yeah it's it's yeah. stay out of his way like it's yeah i mean he's there to do that and he's there to get the character the gun montage
1: yeah, other than that, it's like a pretty fucking predictable story. I uh, I had never seen it once once again, but I immediately I was like, oh, that lawyer did it. That lawyer's really suspect, and that's what I'm putting my money on.
2: <laughs> Especially because it's Mickey Rourke. Yeah, <laughs> it's picked- Mickey Rourke. If you picked... Any other actor, I think that would have been a decent reveal. But you picked scarred up, beat up, gravelly ass Mickey Rourke Drunk. as your lawyer. Like, that's right away that lawyer is a bad guy.
1: Yeah, you have the setup of like, uh, He tells him to just get a a half decent bodyguard, and you're like, Mm -hmm. and then he just disappears from the movie. You're like, okay, sure, Mm -hmm. movie. You're really pulling the fast one on me there. (laughs) Yeah, well, at the beginning,
3: he says, like, oh, uh, Mark Anthony's character asks him, he's like, well, what ends up happening? He's like, oh, they just always end up paying the money. And so it's like, uh, like, it's very clear. Yeah. The twist is what Mark Anthony was like, totally okay with it.
1: I just. I don't know. I actually liked that it went there because it wasn't, like, I was expecting it to just be the lawyer, and I liked that you just find him decapitated, and then it leads off in these other directions. Yeah. So it was like, because I was really angry for a minute. I was like, is this all this is leading up to? Is this reveal that I called in the first five minutes? Uh, No. It it went further than that. It tries to
2: intertwine different narratives, like, you know, you got, like, the the geopolitical narrative of like the corrupt cops that are that working based with on the a criminals. novel. Yeah. So it does have like that element and that makes sense because it does have those kind of narrative threads that you can see like, Oh, is there a bigger story here that they're trying to tell? And they're just not doing it well, which is the answer is yes. And yes. And <laughs> it's, it's just, <laughs> but uh I, there was something I did want to mention that I thought was really funny and I kind of lost it, but it's just in general, this movie is comical when it's trying not to be, and that is a bad thing in an action yeah. revenge drama, unfortunately, the yeah. biggest
1: problem for me is just I can't get over the visual style, I just hate it yeah i think I think I would be more firmly in your camp, Jeff, of being like, I can see the problems, but I'd enjoy it anyway if I didn't hate the way it was directed, like the direction. is bad if this movie wins whenever dakota fanning is on screen or when her and denzel are on screen and the movie is like really propelled by the fact that denzel has the gravitas that he does yeah you know
2: i did remember what i wanted to say though um which is a a question i like to ask because i got to watch this movie with my wife and it was her first time a while back and she was you know bought and sold by the fact that that she thought Dakota Fanning was dead. Did you think that she no. was actually okay?
1: You okay. would have. They didn't show it. There's there's no way. Okay. Th- Not zero percent of me. Okay. I, cool. I knew she was alive. Yeah. All right.
2: Cool. All right. I just. I really just like. I wanted to make sure that like. I wanted to see because that's to me the biggest plot hook of the movie. That's where they're trying to sell their audience, and it's rare you get oh, to no. talk. to I've someone. I've seen
1: movies. <laughs> I know how movies work, and this is a movie movie. For there was sure. no way they were going to kill that girl. Yeah, especially yeah.
2: with like that kid level of
3: acting. I want to just say, because I've been so harsh on it, this movie is not the source of the problems like that I'm talking about in Hollywood. I think that this movie is a symptom of audience expectation, the way that we consume movies nowadays, and the way that people make movies for this giant machine that is the film industry. So I'm not blaming... like the things that this movie gets wrong on it solely, right? Sure. Um, I just think at the end of the day, it, I don't know. It's just very flaccid in <laughs> yeah, my mind. Like I, I it, agree.
2: I think we can all attest to the fact that this film has strong points, promising points, but the visual style, the direction makes it so irritating that at times you just can't like pay attention to anything else and that's on just that's on fault to the director and you know i totally agree with you alex that like it's not this movie isn't like rotten to its core you know it's (laughs) just it's just soft and mushy on the outsides and not really you don't really want to eat it
1: well i love i love that alex said this because it ties into the first of these last this last little segment for review reactions because the first one i have written down here is that the film exemplifies a widely held mindset of its era, one that calls for simplistic, brutal solutions to highly complex, awful things that are happening in the world. So I picked these reviews because I thought that they would have some like possibly interesting talking points. Yeah. And this is an interesting one because it's true.
0: Mm-hmm. It's true that 100%. this is
1: simplistic, brutal solution. But my question is like does that really matter in a movie like this because if you're part of like this is where I'll give the movie credit in another area that I haven't spoken about because it is like a mean-spirited movie where Denzel Washington tortures people maybe you don't want to see that if that doesn't sound good but I am in on that on that part because mm-hmm. if you kidnap little Dakota Fanning uh, yeah go ahead torture him murder him I'm in. All kill them all oh God. yeah oh God. exploitation cinema <laughs> worst, baby first
3: line in the movie worst definitely the movie. yes <laughs> and then they repeat it
2: <laughs> yeah it's so good uh but yeah i actually i i like that we you pointed that out jesse because i think this movie sits in a special camp of post 9 11 movies where uh like having the badass who handles issues beyond the way the justice system handles them. It's kind of like how every American felt, I think. Like they wanted to do, they, they, they wanted to not enlist in the military and actually go fight, but you know they wanted to go take the fight to the insurgents. And they really make that point of when they're describing his background. It's like Afghanistan, Iraq, counterinsurgency. So they really kind of drum up that like that kind of islamophobia it's, it's a little pandering. bit it's pandering yeah it's the, definitely the pandering.
1: core of this movie is definitely pandering to a certain like demographic Fathers who has and those daughters. kind of values yeah yeah fathers that's and daughters that's the biggest target
3: sure. audience 100% this is like there pretaken are dads audience who watch this film and say this is what i would do despite 100%. how shitty i've been to my daughter my whole life <laughs> if she got into this situation i would do this for her such Kill a them point. all, like I don't Such know. But
1: it's an easy <laughs> role to inhabit for a vast swath of the population. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this one says Helgeland's screenplay is too lazy to investigate Washington's viciousness. The pro- this promising movie ends up spinning its wheels in a conventionally conventionally dopey action plot. I like the point about the screenplay being too lazy to investigate Washington's viciousness. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting point, And that ties into like what Alex was saying about the character a little while ago. And the sort of the undercooked nature of the character, I suppose, like, yeah. does it, does it matter that we don't like get an undercurrent of like who he actually is? Just this, just, just yeah. these like easy motifs. Yeah.
3: Cause it makes it annoying for me at least.
1: I don't think it matters as as much as it, it matters
2: that it was done better than it was done. You can be subtle about someone's past and make them seem badass. I mean, Clint Eastwood did it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's 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 more about the fact that they were they were never in. It was so lukewarm. They were never fully in about like who he was. But then they decided like almost in response to that criticism that you're mentioning Jesse like they decided okay well we need to have Christopher Walken have that little speech because we need to describe like who he is fully yeah and it just felt ham fisted and, and clumsy. Yeah.
1: It doesn't investigate him. It just tells you these, you know, he's he a is painter badass. of death. He is, he is badass. At one that's point, like- <laughs>
3: the, the actors are handing around a prop like document that's like his background check. And it's just a Word document that's like 12 years counter Did and you see. pause it and read it? No, like, but I. Oh, I, my God. I, it just was like, I looked at it and I was like. Okay, like pause it and read it.
2: it. I was cracking up, dude. It's like it's written like like a like a fifteen year old would write yeah. their first resume. Yeah, it's like. Horribly formatted. It's like literally just bullet points with like the most intense fucking yeah. shit next to it. It's like planned and plotted for Project Isomorph. Fucking, man. it's like Jesus Christ, dude. What? Oh, like this would be perfect. in like a military sealed docket that you have to like request info from. You don't just like type this up on
1: Word and give it to me. Oh people. yeah, I that was another infuriating part that was really lazy is the whole news person angle. Where oh, she's God. she can just access any fucking information that like you would need to be FBI level to to get well, because I think, that,
2: mm-hmm. I think it speaks to Alex's point about this being kind of a caricature of Mexico where it's like look how fragile their infrastructure is. I don't yeah. even think
1: they thought about it that far. But I think <laughs> I really don't.
2: I I don't think it's you can do this kind of shit without thinking about it, and that's I think the root of Maybe. the problem. Yeah, is that yeah. Half but they the just time, needed
1: a character that could like get him the things that the script needed him to get information wise
2: but then they 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 try to make a strong female character but they very 2004 it hand on the hip finger wag yeah she's also a slut i know (laughs) (laughs) it's like what the fuck movie
3: uh
2: yeah see the the random like
3: throwing around of That's what I mean about it being a symptom of like this disease in Hollywood where they were just like, it's okay to identify what your audiences are liking. That's totally fine. But when you just throw all of it at the wall... And it's like, oh, it's we're going to have, it's we're going to have same
1: thing. Michael Bay does
3: exactly. We're going to have Mark Anthony in front of the Virgin de Guadalupe. And then we're going to have his wife walk in and get all sexy time and like take her jacket off. Cause we know audiences like sex. And if but, you juxtapose it with religion, <laughs> it makes it edgy and cool. And then I they mean, move on. And
1: thank God. On they
3: and moved on. on. Yeah. And I'm uh, like, you know what?
1: My <laughs> okay. favorite part of this whole thing today is we've never gotten Alex this heated before. Oh in man. In 20, 2018, episode And it's
2: still so tame.
1: It's still so <laughs> yeah, yeah, adorable. It's, uh, he's like, just like bad. a... He's a simmerer. He doesn't, uh, he yeah, doesn't he, fly he, off the handle, <laughs> Jeff style. Yeah,
2: exactly. If you compare this to like my In the Name of the King review, it's like, I'm, I sound like a lunatic. <laughs> you sound like
1: you're banging the, the desk with your hand while you're shouting about your hatred for it.
2: So there's a different, lo- different levels of uh, our mental... My mental illness uh, on display here. But, uh, but yes, I definitely... I, I can see how this movie is enraging I definitely do and when looking at it through a critical eye I found it just be comical at, mm-hmm. at, at its most at its core all of its faults just make me laugh it's like oh my god that was really corny yeah. and uh, and there were times like where you could tell it was like a very like frantic writer's room like I think the semtex in the butt thing is (laughs) hilarious oh the butt grenade yeah because it's (laughs) the butt grenade that's perfect because it's so like oh it's so intense like before that like he starts with the cutting off of the fingers okay cool I get that That was a brutal scene that scene was believable and then it's like okay he goes and busts in the club and just like shooting folks all right whatever and everyone's like parting, like boom, the club blew up, woo!
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a groaner
1: as well. I was like, really? Was that really how that would play out? <laughs> and so,
2: like, there's just a lot of movie in this movie. It's a, uh, it's like too much peanut butter. On a sandwich, it's just, it just just gets stuck in the back of your throat and just like clags you up, and you're just like, oh, oh
0: god. There
1: he's. we go. We finally got it. Jeff comparing movie to food reference of the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, also <laughs> I feel I like mean, that surmounted the video game references is the food reference. No, I now. actually
2: had a video game one too. All right, because sweet. Max Payne three does Tony Scott's aesthetic so much better than Tony Scott. I don't know if he <laughs> ever even like understood that game or saw it or even understood that it was kind of an homage to his because it was kind of an homage because that game definitely does this style with the like text over the screen it takes place in latin america it's very much the same type of narrative but done so much better and actually entertaining so there you go food reference video game reference boxes checked nice. yes
1: yeah. i have some alternate castings that might have happened so i'm gonna run these by you oh
2: i, I think i know a few of these it'd be great so
1: we've got arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> <laughs> As the By girl, the way, I'm going to read girl, one. Girl, right? Yeah, as a little girl, I'm going <laughs> to read one pizza. more review before this. Greasy, bear. <laughs> yeah, Denzel Washington is so charming, so charismatic, and so heroic in his role. He makes the movie. And there's also one saying that the chemistry between Washington and Fanning, like we've said, is the reason this works at all. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But I also like this one. Seriously, someone needs to stage an intervention. Sit Scott down and tell him that repeated jump cuts, slow motion shots, and fiddling around with the exposure don't enhance the viewing experience. They detract from it. Uh-huh. Fuck's sake. Um, but I, I, I derailed myself somehow.
0: Yeah. We were doing
1: alternate casting. Jesus. Because it's like, this is such a Denzel movie, it's hard to see anyone else in that role. Schwarzenegger would have been fucking hilarious. The movie would have been absolute trash oh but been maybe been even trash. better yeah it would have been good yeah. trash in um, the same vein you had sylvester stallone oh, as a possible that's even worse
3: i mean tony scott has worked with all of these actors before
2: stallone's yeah. just a
1: broken-faced version of schwarzenegger
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're both surprisingly short
2: oh, oh yeah i heard that i, I would not, just yeah. imagine schwarzenegger is like six two or something yeah
1: yeah they probably like i think they just put him on boxes when he's filming yeah. scene scenes with other people,
2: they had De Niro on huge platforms in The Irishman. Oh, really, De Niro, yeah, he, but De Niro world. was actually yeah he was supposed to be uh, he was offered um, the role of Denzel's role as well of Creasy, which okay. I thought would
1: have been hilarious. I could see Alan that. Rickman.
0: Uh,
1: <gasps> it's not really his type <laughs> it of role. Been weird. <laughs> That's not yeah. his role. It would have been like,
2: weird.
3: You would have been as, like, especially at that uh, time in two thousand four. Hello, darling. Like. Yeah.
1: It right would've... after, like dogma.
3: Well, no, right in the midst. Oh, he is too, the of
1: Metatron. He could have been the Metatron in this movie too. Religious symbolism.
2: <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that just sounds like a, like the like the uh, agency, not network, the studio, just throwing out like. Is the thirty
1: seventh name on the list? Yeah, just th- throwing
2: out offers.
3: I actually think this movie could have worked with like a reverse of the plot where denzel gets captured and it turns into like a
1: home alone
3: style and
1: she has to go on a violent rampage to save him
3: but like in a goofy way like instead of guns she rolls like marbles no, on the ground in the club the or something you want her She's to use like lethality fingers. and stuff <laughs>
1: <laughs> Little Dakota Fanning is shoving grenades up butts. <laughs> that first torture scene with
2: Dakota, I'm, pit- I'm, I will have endless enjoyment now, Alex, of picturing Dakota Fanning doing that entire scene, like leaning, yeah. in. but like she can't reach up to his face. Yeah, she's too short. so she's sitting on like all her books in her yeah. book bag, and she's like. She's like, "La herminidad."
1: Yeah, La exactly. she's like Burr cutting his
2: fingers off and burning them. <laughs> oh, the man. cutest
1: little psychopath you've ever yeah. seen. I yeah. would have
2: that. That would have been a much better movie.
1: <laughs> oh man, yeah. There are some others. Vigo, Vigo would have been interesting. I think he could have oh. done that kind of role. He could have oh, pulled. It. Yeah. I think De Niro could have
2: done it. He just yeah. would have been like an older bodyguard. I think it yeah. would have been a much more De Niro subdued, could do anything subdued role. De Niro uh, could do Cru- that. I think Tom Cruise was offered it too. I he mean, was. I would, but God. you offer Tom Cruise. I mean, I, Tom Cruise probably gets six thousand uh, offers it a, a
1: year. Tom Cruise, <sighs> um, Keanu yeah. Reeves, he wasn't. I don't know. He wasn't really. He like, wasn't He wasn't in his John Wick phase yet. Well, yeah, yeah. He was in like the like the depths of the lull of his career at that point. Yeah. yeah. Seriously, uh, Gary Oldman would have been cool. He could have done it. He's one of those. He can do anything. He could do anything. Speaking yeah. of. It's true Romance that's maybe yeah. one of the best roles anyone has ever played where he plays the uh the white the white drug dealer who thinks he's Rastafarian. <laughs> God, I've not seen True Romance <laughs> in <been> a long <laughs> time, right? Fucking brother. love that character.
3: Was um was Ger- uh, Gerard Butler doing his thing at in this time like 2004? This might have been right before he broke out, but I could see Rock him in and Roller
1: roll like was that. we just did a Rock and Roller thing. Was, what year was that?
3: That was 2008. Yeah, that was uh, I don't know.
1: That was a couple of years after. Yeah. 2008. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he was like just, 300. Was I think he was fighting up. across our... the world. Yeah. 300 was 06, so he was like just about there. Yeah. But he ain't on the list, bro. Val Kimmer is <laughs> on the list. Dennis Quaid is on the list. Michael Keaton is on the list. Jeez
2: liam yeah. neeson yeah. they would have they liam would have neeson is on the just list sabotage yeah. the entire taken franchise if he would have fucking accepted this movie seriously if that if he would have done this movie and then still tried to do the taken franchise people would be like uh you you, you just
3: what like,
1: well when he did taken he didn't think it would take off he was just like i want to try being a badass because i've never been a badass he just plays like i don't know it'd be cool you to know. see
3: michael Kane.
1: Michael Caine, trying his, the tender his age of 69. Just bumbling so Britishly <laughs> just like, through Mexico City. He wouldn't be City. a bodyguard.
2: He'd be like the butler. I
0: know, beg right? Excuse, <laughs>
1: you <beg> excuse me.
0: We
3: see a little girl way
1: high. <laughs> You're oddly good at that. All right. Master Wayne. Any other ones? Uh, nah, that's too, that's too many already. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Any alternate castings for Dakota Fanning?
1: oh man so
0: good
3: exactly i think that's the point like jodie foster from the 70s i guess
2: i think they kind of just like really zoned in on her i think this was like kind of the height of her career too i think she did Mm -hmm. a few other movies around this time where yeah
1: she she went on to do twilight and then i think she kind of
2: then she was in um uh, she does
1: tv now yeah
2: she was in war of the world uh, she's in war of the world oh yeah god um once upon a time in uh, whatever the Brad Pitt, Hollywood you know, Hollywood. Once upon a yeah, time yeah. in Hollywood, she was in that. She was a part of Charlie Manson's uh, foot crew.
3: Or her and right. Amanda Seyfried. I always mix them up now. Yeah, they look yeah, similar.
2: It, yeah. yeah, she had a very unique look when she was young. She had like kind of the big eyes, the big mm-hmm. blue eyes. You know, and she had that like fun smile, and yeah, there was just a uh, there was some, there was a lot of unique look to her. I Those think hilarious her little kid teeth. Yeah. And then definitely they, like, you know, she grew up and kind of joined that, like, range and that, that group of just, like, mid-20s,
3: 30s child actors. They kind of, like, do mean, TV and stuff like that. It looked like she had a lot of fun making this movie. And that's good. Yeah. Because I wish that I was in a coma for
1: two hours. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the fact that her and uh, Denzel did a lot of improv. Like and, and a lot of their scenes are improvised, or part, parts of them are.
2: Of, um, apparently, most of Christopher Walken and Denzel's scenes are also ad libs. <laughs> that makes sense. Like the whole, I think the whole discussion in the uh, like the, at the lunch when she gives him the um, the pendant. I think that was like I could see easily on the script. It's saying like denzel and christopher walken riff until dakota su- decides it's a good time to give right. the pendant and i could easily yeah. see that in brackets
1: yeah i don't think we talked enough about how strange christopher walken's character was and how <laughs> nonsensical but fuck it we're done i think we'll wrap this one up yeah. now you guys uh you guys have anything else to say before we close it out no no yeah i don't know i mean d- should should anyone watch this movie alex
3: Yeah, actually, I I think they should, Um, because I'm a firm believer in watching all, like, forms of movies when you can, when it's reasonable, and, like, taking it seriously, Um, because I think it helps enhance movies that are actually very good. Um, It's just hard to say in such a, like, field or, like, a study that is not objective, right? It's so up in the air for everyone. But I think that if you're looking for an entertaining weekend movie, hell yeah, this movie will whet your appetite and it will, it will satisfy all of the things that you're looking for. Um, yeah.
1: If you're looking for a movie that's like a man on fire.
3: Yeah. Like the yeah. rock. I, I I think it's like similar in that sense. Like I'll watch that movie every single time I flip through the channels on TV, you know? Yeah. Um, Definitely, yeah. It's definitely a film that that sits in that category, and yeah,
2: I don't know. <laughs> I had a thought, but I lost it.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's entertaining garbage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wish I wish Tony Scott would settle the fuck down. I mean, he <laughs> I think he passed away. My biggest so. thing, he did. He okay, did. he died in 2012. Then he settled down. He settled. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh poor Tony Scott. Mm. Yep. All right, real weirdos, we are. Uh, the most professional film podcast on the internet. Signing off.
3: Bye bye. Later, everyone.
1: See y'all next week. Chicka,
0: chacka, Now
1: our podcast is done
0: and we have to
1: run. We know it is sad, but we had so much fun. Don't be bereft. Jesse, Alex, and Jeff will be back real soon. The real weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long.